Hey, pal. We're live, pals. Or really, surprise, pals. A day early this week, not that we've ever really had any poise and regularity about what we did here at Hey Pal, I'm Coachable, but thank you very much for being part of us and welcoming me into your ear holes once again. Bit of an earlier episode this week because we're doing doing a little bit of a promotion, not the, not the uh, you know cash for comments or anything like that, but um, a place that I have a lot of affinity for in EPW Perth. You might have picked up their name once or 3,000 times so far on the show. Um, they've got their big show, not Paul White, because there's no more BS there, but they've got their big wrestling show as this goes to air tomorrow. December 16 in Perth at Willerton Stadium. So Willerton Stadium, of course, I've got a little bit of experience there in the NBL one with the Willerton Tigers as well, who are a bit of a powerhouse of a basketball club. So long story short, I'm getting coached up this week on how to do a wrestling show or, uh, you know, how to do a local production or whatnot with one of the directors of EPW, Bobby Marshall. Now, Bobby has been a colourful character for the, the EPW product in front of the camera for so long, but in this chat this week, we talk about his role behind the scenes and the things he finds, I was going to say self-true and evident, but uh, maybe I've been listening to uh, too many history podcasts or too much American television. You know, it's probably one of all of them. But um, what he's done behind the scenes and what he looks for in the show and, and some tips for people looking to put on shows or or to become wrestlers and things like that. So I'm going to keep this short and sharp. We're going to shut this cake hall up and we're going to go straight to our guest, bid you further no ado. I'm not sure that's anything. But anyway, without further ado was what I was going for. Here's our conversation, how to put together a wrestling show with Bobby Marshall. Our guest this week, well, he is known around the traps in the professional wrestling circuit as Bobby Marshall. He's done it all. He's wrestled overseas. He's uh, main evented and been a champion at the local EPW Perth Wrestling Company. But what we're going to do today, we're going to drill more into his brain about what it actually takes to put together a wrestling show. And, um, with this in mind, if you're not a big wrestling fan, I think there's a lot of parallels with putting on a local stage show and things like that that you're going to get a lot of value out of. So we're going to talk not so much about the Bobby Marshall character. So if you're here for a, This Is Your Life, Bobby Marshall, probably not the show for you. But if you want to know This Is Your Life, Bobby Marshall, how do we put together a wrestling show, this is the one for you. So without further ado, here we are, Bob. Hey, pal. Yo, Eric, how's it going? Yeah, really good. Thank you very much for joining me. I know it's a busy week for you this week and, and everyone involved with EPW with the big reawakening show coming up at Willerton Stadium on Saturday. And uh, as I said to all my guests, the one thing you should do with your podcast, date the episode so it's completely relevant next week. But um, I, tell you, I appreciate your time and we'll, we'll talk a bit about that show. But what we always talk about before we get into the crux of the issue about, you know, whether it's putting together the show or whatnot, but a little bit about you and, and how you got to where you are. So tell me a little bit about your early life, Bob, and, and, you know, early fandoms as a child, whether it's sports or wrestling or what have you. Yeah, look, I mean, as a, as a kid, I, I was into footy. That was it for me. I was uh, only footy. Only, uh, I was a dog, dogs fan as well, as same as yourself. Um, used to love uh, Peter Sumich as a kid, though, funnily enough. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, all footy. I didn't get into wrestling until later, a bit later in life. Uh, it wasn't until I was a teenager. Uh, the old um, Attitude Era got me in, you know, Rock, Foley, 
Undertaker. Uh, they were they were the ones that, that reeled me in, probably about grade seven ish, I want to say. Yep. And yeah, never really looked back after that. Yeah, the attitude era is as you know, listeners knowing who who've got that affinity for wrestling was the big boom period, one of the big boom periods of professional wrestling. The one in the eighties with uh Hulk Hogan and then one in the late nineties there with The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, that sort of WWF explosion, the evil Mr. McMahon and things like that. So it was all the rage around schoolyards and a lot of us from that era, once they got in, yeah, hook, line, and sinker, and stuck yeah. with it for decades since. Um, you mentioned a few names there. Were those the wrestlers that really caught your eye, or what? Who were the wrestlers that you really got behind, and and why was that? Oh, look, I, I loved early on. I loved. I used to love The Rock when he was uh, when he was a bad guy, and I loved the Undertaker. The aura around him was always bloody brilliant. Uh, Foley was just um, the things he did. You know, were just amazing. Really, like he's just a um, as yourself, you know, you're a big, big McFoley fan as well. And, um, you know, he was just amazing. And then, uh, an angle, good angle was someone I really, really fell in love with when he, when he came along, um, after a little bit, but, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure exactly why I was drawn to those guys in particular. I mean, they are the best of the best, right? Like throwing Triple H and Shawn Michaels and they're, they're the, sort of the greatest wrestlers on a lot of people's greatest of all time list. So yeah, it's very, for choice at that time. One. That's the one, right? They, they they were good at what they did, and I was just a normal a normal wrestling fan who who fell in love with them for the same reason everyone else did. They were just good at at what they did. Yeah, and I, I just want to assure our listening viewership right now as well. I'm not just putting on a voice and becoming this Bobby Marshall character. He's already mentioned he's a Bulldogs fan. Sorry to mention he's a big Mick Foley fan. This is <laughs> I, I'm not doing a character piece here. It's not a breakdown. <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah. schizophrenia. I swear to goodness. Um. We yeah. are very like-minded in some ways and not so like-minded in other ways. So there will be some varied opinions, but we've got yeah. good taste in athletes, to be honest, or or we just like yeah. heartbreak. I don't know what it is. But... <laughs> just just hate ourselves yeah. just enough. It's that, it's that sadism because obviously with, and I don't know if you, you know this here, listening viewership, but uh, the Bulldogs won a flag in 2016. But up until that time, it was a lot of heartache. And then obviously Mick Foley used to put himself through a lot of hell as well. So maybe it is that that sadism or, or masochism, whatever the right word is that, that we're, yeah. um, you know, stuck into there. But as you mentioned there, the wrestling itch never really left you. Um, and then, you know, as luck would have it, you found your way into becoming a part of the local uh, company here in Western Australia, EPW Perth. Tell us a little bit of um, how that journey happened. Uh, so, I mean, early on, it was uh, my mate Tim, who was my school schoolmate, where we were wrestling in his backyard with Dan, my my current tag partner now still. Um, and we were, you know, the same way a lot of teenagers get into wrestling, was just wrestling, putting some mattresses down outside and finding something to jump off. <laughs> and then um, we, I saw. So I think we saw an, in, uh, an article in the newspaper of uh, Mikey, one of the ECW at the time guys who almost died uh, at a local show. Were you at that show, or you just saw the article? No, I just saw the article afterwards. That was the first I'd ever heard of local wrestling in Perth, you know. And I was just, it was like Christmas. Like I'd never, yeah, never crossed my mind for one second that you could do wrestling in Perth, and um. I had plans to go to Sydney. I think I was going to move to Sydney, you know, as a I'm like 17, 18 year old, whatever it was, when I was making big life plans. At, um, <laughs> exactly because, when you should be doing it. Yeah. Well, I think the only promotion I knew was, um, who are they? The, uh, I can't remember now. Anyway, some some promotion over East. They were the only only company I kind of knew about. Yeah. Um, and then when I saw that article, I was, 
like you beauty like there he is wrestling in Perth and then so we tried to get get hold of ECW and I rang up got someone answered the phone and I said hey uh I've been wrestling in the backyard for 12 months you know like <laughs> I want to come on uh <laughs> I can you know I can I can wrestle for you guys and I got told uh not interested <laughs> oh really I would well, have I would have imagined you'd have had some of the uh some of the guys have been around and uh I probably you know I won't probably uh uh, throw them in the muck about it, but I think one of them might be Tyler Jacobs. If they hear that, probably start rubbing their hands together, going, "Okay, let's get this this backyard guy in here and then show him the ropes." But they just flat out refused. No, they just refused. They said, "No, nah, no, thank you." And then we found out later they were doing a training camp. So, yeah. Um, oh no, I think that we actually came and helped out at a show. I want to yeah. say we asked how we rang up again at some point and we said, "How can we get involved?" And they said. Uh, come down to the show and help help set up. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we did that for a couple of shows. Yeah. Um, where we were just, I don't know, helping out with whatever. And then uh, eventually they did a training camp and we went to that. And, um, you know, within a few months, I was I was wrestling on shows and just kind of went went from there. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, your, your first, I guess, what they call the main shows now, but your first yeah. main show was a, a fatal four-way match. So we won't go too deep into your career, but um, what was that like to actually debut in terms of a quote-unquote proper show against versus, um, you know, the, the backyard mattress stuff that, you know, you've been yeah. um, fooling around with? Yeah, uh, good question. God, it's a while back now. But, um, you know, I think it was really it was really nice. I think we were the... It was myself, Shane, CJL, and Kyle, and we yeah. we trained hard together. You know, like we were, um, you know, we were just psychos. Like we loved it. We were down there four, five, or four, four nights a week. I think they were the only times we were allowed to be there. Yeah. Um. You know, and we were doing the long journey there and the long journey home, and we were just there until they kicked us out. Basically, was that um, the uh, Maddington days? That back in Maddington. Yeah. 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 I mean, we just lived it and breathed it. So that was, uh, it felt like a natural progression for us at the time. Shows were a lot easier to break onto back then, you know, like yeah. it needs to be said where nowadays you're not going to get looking until you've been training for, you know, well over, like we're talking years now. Yeah. Um, to get in close. Like that's just the reality of the the talent that we have now. Whereas at the time, the guys had had only, they only had a 12 month head start, a lot of the guys. So yeah. Um, yeah, but anyway, it was it was nice, you know. It was it was fun, and uh, but it just yeah at the at the time I felt like nat- natural progression. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you talk about progress, as I said, we won't run through all the the highlights of that. What you are a very accomplished wrestler. I know you probably downplay it from time to time, but um, and of course, it's not a video podcast, but he's raising his eyebrow at me. But um, Good. so but let's talk about the progress. You did go over to um to the states to do a little yeah. bit of training there and sort of see if you could take it, I guess, to that next step or, or see what that was like. Just give us a little bit of what that involved in a nutshell and any sort of maybe favorite memories or the things that, that occurred over there that you could probably share on a podcast. I should. Well, yeah. There's that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I, I, didn't, I think I didn't really know what I wanted, you know, like, I mean, not just in wrestling, but in life. Like, I mean, I, I still barely know what I want in life, but um, in, <laughs> in wrestling, I, um, I just, Again, like it just it was the next step, you know, like to take where um you know, Mike, I think Mike went there first and he um you know found a place that was that was with Marquez down the LA Dojo, the New Japan Dojo running yeah. out of Los Angeles, and Mike and Jag went over there and Dave and they kind of got the contacts. So we had a place that we could go and train. Um 
so well, I was again, I was really lucky. I was just following, you know, in the footsteps of the guys that had already laid down the ground, groundwork, same as when I started wrestling with ECW at the time. Um, and then same with going to the States where you're just kind of following the guys that were that had already been. Um and yeah, that was I mean that was brilliant, you know. Like I think the first time I went there, I was probably a bit um I mean, I've always been immature. That was the problem. So I didn't <laughs> really appreciate what I had at the time, as you don't, in fairness, you know, like to myself. Um, but we were training with uh Nakamura, who's obviously you know, he's quite a well-known wrestler, and his his training was just unbelievable. Get three months of training with him, you know, three days a week, and then you go and wrestle two or three different matches every weekend. Like your your skill level just explodes, you know. Really, you get you know 12, 18 months of worth of wrestling wrestling in a few months. You can just see that even in that that time, just the sort of caliber that you're working with, you you can't not improve really, unless your your oh. attitude's not there for it. Yeah, well, to be fair, which mine one wasn't really. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the day, like, don't worry about that. Like I was, I. Uh, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I still went there and I still went hard. Like I was there with Mike and Mike, um, he, you know, Mike's like, he, he only has one gear. Um, yes. Yeah. And so, you know, that, and that was fun. And, but, you know, he, he challenged me obviously all the time. He always has. Um, and uh, so, you know, it was just, but I think the class I was in, mm. half of them have ended up with like WWE contracts, you know, like it was, I was there training with like Machine Gun and, uh, you know, Rocky Romero was there. Uh, what did Kozlov? He he ended up in AAA, I think, for a fair while. He, I think, he I think he retired. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um. You know, like there was just some, and then obviously Mike being there. Yeah. It was just a really high quality school, and and you know, like I was comfortably the worst wrestler in that group, which was fantastic. You know, that's kind of the uh, <laughs> the, the best best place to be in that sense. You know, like, um, I just I would have liked to have embraced the technical side a lot more whereas that was like a weak spot for me always has been in wrestling yeah and it was a golden opportunity there to tidy up this this thing that i was bad at and instead of you know fixing it i just ignored it and stuck with the things that i did well so that's kind of one of those things i look at as a huge missed uh opportunity again not not the only person in the world that has done that yeah in life but then um uh, but yeah, but I think it, particularly at the New Japan Dojo, they put so much onus on that map-based uh, wrestling. Yeah, um, we did jujitsu every week, kickboxing every week. But it does does definitely give you because you know you're a naturally charismatic person. I mean, uh, from a professional point of view, and also from a personal point of view, you can be a bit of a ringleader at times. And we don't yeah. need to go too de- deep into to some of those stories, incriminate yeah, us all. <laughs> but, probably the best, yeah. No, that's that's a whole other show. But yeah. um, but you are a naturally charismatic person. But you talk about how that emphasis on the the ring work and the and the technical thing. And this is kind of tied into you know the next thing I was going to ask you about. Um, what you were going to, what you, that training abroad did teach you about pro wrestling and how you kind of apply that to now in your current role with uh, more of a hands-on uh, behind the scenes role with how you put together EPW, because certainly there's that appreciation for really good wrestling itself, the actual art form on the mat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, I mean, I think the, I mean, some of the biggest lessons I've probably learned were just about being flexible and adaptable you know, and like having a plan, but then being ready to put that plan in the bin and make another plan pretty quickly, you know, always have 12 escape routes, um, 10 options. And, and I think wrestling in the States is like that because you, um, 
no one knows no one knows knows who you are you know you yeah. go to a random promotion you might be wrestling in front of 15 to 20 people when you get there and the promoter doesn't know you doesn't care about you because you're just a guy from australia who's there for you know um three months so he's not going to you know invest any time into you you're there to put someone else over yeah um but at the same time you want to get as many bookings as you can in that three months yeah so you got to make you know, uh, you got to, you have to do what the promoter wants you to do, but stand out while you're doing it. Yeah. And promoters are clever. They they know when you're going into business for yourself. They know, you know, like they're not silly. Mm. Um, we all know it. You know, like so. My thing I used to do all the time was I'd like head spike DDTs, thinking I was making the other guy look good. When full well, all I was doing is making myself look good. You know, like that yeah. was all the point with that thing. And you're drawing the attention. Days. To yourself. That's it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, when you're putting the attention on yourself, we all we all know. We all know when someone's doing it. The other one is the mm-hmm. screaming, you know, when someone gives you a, a move and you and guys they'll scream and they do it because it puts your attention on them, not because it puts your attention on the guy doing the move. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that, that was a bit tangent. Um, <laughs> That's right. Uh, but you <laughs> we've know, allowed for tangents here. Well, yeah, yeah. But yeah, the point is it's about um you had to learn to work within the confines of what you've been given, but you still had to look good doing it. Yeah. Um, and the way you looked good doing it was by doing it really well and just uh, executing really well. You know, you had to be physical and you had to be clean and crisp. You had to look good and um, sell well. And as all those, and you know, that's funny, like you doesn't matter whether it's wrestling, whether it's you know, like writing an assignment, whether it's uh, I assume playing basketball or football, you know, or, it's just the, the fundamentals. You have to do the fundamentals really, really, really well. And that is actually how you stand out, you know? And I think I'm someone who's guilty of forgetting that from time to time. And I, you know, try to lean on out the box ideas and um, high spots and whatever, for, you know, big bumps and mm. uh, to get over when really, God, I really, God, this has already been beneficial for me just being out of <laughs> some just, of these things. This to is be now honest. a therapy session rather than. Yeah, a, it is, man. I, like, yeah. I think I said to you, I was looking forward to actually kind of <laughs> uh, getting some of the stuff in the brain out because it means yeah. I get to listen to the stuff that I don't do these days that I've forgotten about. You know, I've got <laughs> someone who, when I start, I you know started working offshore, which meant that I was away for six months a year. Yep. And my skill level as a wrestler like, f- fell off a cliff because I wasn't training anymore. And then when I got home, I was trying to maintain, you know, home life and re- relationships and whatever else. And mm. so training just became, you know, not a priority. And then to cover that on show day, I would just take bigger and bigger risks to get over. That was what I felt I needed to do. And in the end, bloody Don almost died, um, you know, like I almost killed a guy in the ring basically like because we just and uh, i say i almost killed a guy not that i almost killed a guy yeah yeah so to just clarify <laughs> there it wasn't yeah. necessarily that you you lost control and went into this you know murder no attack. no no but we, you we, just didn't un, like something that really didn't have as much protection to the move yeah, no, you took we, a risk we, yeah we, we just ran a match that was essentially a stunt show you know okay yeah we we didn't we just forgot really well i forgot i should say like i think i was still like a senior wrestler at, at the time mm. and um instead of putting a match together you know like going back to these fundamentals we just went just forgot it all and not forgot it all ignored it all really was yeah. is the, the right thing and anyway um but i mean the thing is um 
already now with what you're talking about, you can talk about how, you know, you've learned from that. It's all well and good now to, you know, think of it so many years later, but there's yeah. going to be people who are, you know, the age that you were back then and perhaps even younger looking to get on, whether it's an EPW show, whether it's a pro wrestling show, a local pro wrestling show across the, you know, the nation or across the world, really. Yeah. Yeah. Probably thinking those same things. Do I need to do more outlandish things or, you know, oh, look, when really the, yeah. the, the fundamentals work every time. Yeah, oh look for sure. They're just they're not they're not as much fun though, you know. That's that's the reality <laughs> is I mean, you know, like the old um, you know, we got the the no ring promotion and that, that it worries me because I look at that and I look at say someone like me, what I would have been like somewhere like that 10, 15 years ago, man, I'd be fucking dead by now, you know, like yeah. just um uh because it's a you don't need to learn to bump when you're not bumping. Mm. basically you know like it's a you don't need to sell when you're just getting hit with something hard like uh you don't need to worry about your it does hurt because it just hurts you know <laughs> like and um all you need to do is or even if it doesn't hurt like that that's cool too like you know if someone yeah. smashes you in the face with a i don't know like a plant glass and you sell it great if you don't sell it that's that's actually fine too you know because you just been smashed with a plant glass so <laughs> you know i don't know like it's just it worry it, it only worries me because of how I would have, uh, I how I believe I would have turned out, and and it's yeah. worth noting that we, um, you know, it's not like if you wrestle in EPW in a ring that you will not get injured or not get hurt. Like we got, I mean, yeah. Jesus Christ, like poor old Dave, uh, he's been wrestling forever. Stiff breeze will concuss him these days, you know. Like, yeah. uh, you know, myself, I got my neck shot, back shot. Like it's just, it's not like what we do is safe and what these other places do is unsafe. Like it's all yeah. unsafe. It's just just worries me what what would have happened to me you know way back when if i had this easy um avenue for a pop because i already am someone who falls into that trap too often you know yeah yeah um, but you know hey maybe other people are smarter at handling it than i am and than i would have been um so uh yeah, yeah and I, I try not to not to lose sight of that just because something's not for me doesn't mean it's not for everyone it doesn't mean it doesn't have a place yeah just yeah and it was interesting because i had um james hartness on the show uh, a yeah. few weeks back and yeah. basically um again i'm not putting on a voice and being bob here but i've got a very similar view to that that style of wrestling despite mick foley being my favorite yeah. wrestler of all time um yeah. and it was interesting listening to to james talk about sort of how they approached it and sort of where that line was and where that line wasn't. And yeah, you're right. It, it can be a scary thing to think about, but it was a, you know, it was a fascinating listen there when they were talking about that for sure. But let's, you've now put some miles on the road, so to speak, and um, you have much more of a hands-on role behind the scenes at yeah. APW. You still wrestle, which we will, we'll do a little shill for that at the end of the episode, because you've got a big match coming up, which I'm probably the the most excited for on the show. And I'm not just saying that because you're the guest this week, yeah. but um. So you have now transitioned in the last few years to a bit of a different role. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do then and sort of how you, you fell into that role in terms of the management side of EPW. Uh, look, so I'm, I'm one of the directors of the company. Um, so I'm sort of responsible, I guess, for the overall uh, direction that the company sort of takes. Um, the, some of the long-term planning, short-term planning, the day-to-day um ex- ex- execution you know we run on with volunteers you know kind yeah. of doing things so a lot of the day-to-day stuff does just fall fall on us to to try to do as, as best we can yep. 
um we do our best but sometimes well most of the time we do pretty poorly <laughs> you know like we, we rely on but every now and then we get someone come who comes along who has like a real skill um like dale at the moment dale uh, coming along has just been uh, you know unreal for us because he yeah. actually has a business mind which is not something that we've had um you know for well really ever um yeah. you know not not to not to knock you know your daves and your shells who have obviously been done what I exactly what I'm doing, you know, where that role of someone who run, you know, we run on passion, really. Yes. Yeah. Um, but passion doesn't tidy up your product on Facebook. Like it's yeah. <laughs> it's just um when you can just, combine passion and that real world skill or those transferable business mindsets. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. You know, like and um and that's where Dale has just been an absolute weapon where he just has this great ability to to take a step back and not look at us as a pro wrestling Thing that like a hobby uh, a community uh you know whatever we are a club like he, he goes okay well what's he looks at it like a business you know and and then he makes business decisions you know and grown-up decisions mature decisions you know and that's the, that's what what we need a lot of the time you know he's he's unreal for me um and and what i love about him is that he just he says yes a lot he says yes to everything he rarely <laughs> says no yeah um, because you know he kind of I think he just believes that if he just keeps saying yes, what happens is if an idea is bad, well, we work it out at some point. You know, we don't sign anything. <laughs> it's a bad idea, but maybe he might realize something's a bad idea, but he'll say yes anyway because he knows there's still 12 steps to go before anything happens. And by the time I get to the sixth step, I'm going, oh, hang on a second. This is actually a terrible idea. <laughs> if, okay, well, if you don't want to do it, then we don't have to. And I go, okay, well, you know, so he's he's, he's, he's been just brilliant in that sense. Um, but anyway, sorry. Uh, the yeah. So back, how do I get? To yeah, how do you get into yeah. that part of it? Because you you did mention, and when this isn't a yeah. show to go into like every bit of uh, Bobby Marshall's life, but yeah. you did mention there that you had been sort of doing a bit more offshore stuff and things like that. Yeah. So you had still been wrestling, but like, how do you make that transition to go? Look, I want to get more involved at this level, and and you know, as a director of the company. Um, you know, I. I guess I've always been over opinionated and, and um, passionate about, about EPW. I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure why it's something that I'll probably need to work through with a therapist at some point. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, look, I'm not offended because I thought I was doing that role, but you, you mean an actual <laughs> yeah, yeah. one with some sort of degree look, behind it. Yeah. Look, I mean, I've always, I, like I'll gravitate. I've always gravitated towards the, you know, the main decision maker kind of spot. Yeah, for, for one reason or another, um, I've always tried to to climb as as high as I can go in EPW. Um, uh, and uh, you know, there was a time when I was trying to like kind of bully my way onto the management team, really. <laughs> where I, I mean, literally, like I just would, how do you how do how how do you do that? How do you figure that? I literally well, so I'll just basically. Uh, I think I used to just come to shows and watch when I sort of stopped wrestling for a bit. Yeah. And there were a few things I just didn't like the vibe of the shows. I felt like we were losing our way a little bit. Mm. Um, and so then I just sort of invited myself to management meetings. And I had no decision-making power there. I was basically there to sit. sit. I just invited myself along and I just had to sit down and, um, you know, every time anything came up, it would come to a vote and then everyone in the room would remind me that I don't get a vote <laughs> um, every time. And then after a while, a, you know, like a spot opened up and I've been at management meetings for two years or something and started doing our marketing because we had no one who did marketing. Yeah. And then um, 
you know, I just kind of went up from there where, you know, I'd been to enough management meetings where I was able to get into a management role. And, and then be at some point, I think I was always getting in trouble. I was some one of these guys who could never stay in my lane. You know, I was like, gonna say. <laughs> you know, like I could, I could do, I was doing marketing, but I was still hassling the bookers, something fierce, you know, like, uh, and then I'd be hassling, I don't know, the trainers about the way training was being done and, you know, all this stuff that you really shouldn't, shouldn't be doing. And I know now it was not the right approach, but, yeah, you know, like everything we had, you know, we had to learn it on the go, but no one, no one taught me how to be a, how to manage a wrestling company. I just had to kind of work it out really. And, yeah. um, and so everything I was doing was, was wrong, but I, I was, I, I was dabbling in too many different things. And the only position that allowed me to dabble in as many things as I wanted with no one being able to tell me off was as a director of the company. So, <laughs> so that was kind of how I ended up in that, in that spot really. And then from there, I was learn. I was able to learn to pull that back a little bit and let people do their job. You know, yep. slowly, slowly. Took a while. Took a long time. <laughs> it's 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 in- interesting you say that because um, like you guys are, you know, I say you guys. I'm now like a year removed, so it's now you guys, not us, yeah. but it, yeah. it's us still. But um. It's just interesting. You mentioned before, it's like the community group that it is still very much that you're a business, but you're a community group. So you have to sort of weigh up this, how do you still remain, you know, I guess profitable. And I'm not saying like, you're going to be sitting there like Scrooge McDuck and swimming in vaults of money, but enough money to keep the lights on, keep ticking over, keep on providing opportunities for people to learn the wrestling side of things, to, to be involved in wrestling shows. But you've Mm. also got to have that community group atmosphere, almost like a, a local dance group or even like, yeah. you know, there are parallels with, you know, what I've previously done and, and what we do at a cricket club. You've got to be able to manage those volunteers, have everyone be valued and, and be of value at the same time. It is a delicate balance there that you don't really understand until you're in a, a director role at that, you know, top end of the management. Oh, look, it's tough. Like that's, I mean, that's the, that's the reality of what we do. I remember very early on, Gemma, who's a, like, you know, she's a, a long-time, say, EPW, I'm not sure. Family member? Family yeah. member, yeah. But, but, but it's never, it's she's never had, like, more a formal that, role. Yeah. She, she was, um, she helped write all our policies. She's very switched on as far as uh, running a business and, you know, like, management goes. Yes, yeah. HR. Anyway, and one of the first things she said when when I was trying to pick her brain about running EPW was she goes, well, are you a business or are you a club? Like, you know, you yeah. have to be one or the other. You can't be both. And then I have always tried to be both. I've never been able to pick one or the other. And, and you know, the reality is I think EPW will always be hamstrung as long as someone like me is is running the show. Like that, that's just, that's the reality, I think. Like the How things I struggle with. Well, just like these where I think that if you had... Say, uh, say someone like a Roland, you know, who runs M- MCW. You know, okay. he's he's the best, the consensus best wrestling promoter in, in Australia. You know, as far as yeah. the local promotion, MCW is the top, tip top. So let's say he moved to Perth, um, and he said, "Hey, I'd love to run EPW." Then we'd obviously say, "Cool, Matt, no worries, it's all yours." Uh, <laughs> we would become a pro wrestling business overnight. Yes, and I think our attendance would pick up, our standards would pick up um our profits would pick up like it would be a um but with that being said i think we would also within a couple of years we'd probably lose 50 percent of our people okay Um, we may not be able to i think we'd always retain the training school but i think our shows would become um 
you know, you just that that community would 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 drop away a little bit. Mm. And for some people, that's that's acceptable, you know. And I, and I get a lot of pressure from a lot of people to make to steer us in in that direction. And look, maybe maybe I should, you know, maybe maybe that's a reality. It is something that I think about a lot. Um, yeah. I'm not convinced that's necessarily the right choice for us. Um, yeah. But I think we'll always be limited in our success, assuming you do base our success on profit, loss and attendance and nothing else. Um, we will be capped, I think, of what we can actually achieve while we have this attitude. But with that being said, I love our community. You know, I really do. I love the little pockets of friendship groups that there are around the place. Um, and I think that's far more important than any, you know, it's not like we're not profitable. And we're yeah, not, of course. Um, we, our attendance is low. Like we, we're still a successful business. We're still a, you know, we run our shows at a high standard, you know, like yeah. we're still good at what we do. Like, um, you know, I really like what we are. I like, I like, I like, um, like it's, it's really meaningful to me that I put, when I got married, uh, you know, my bridal party, aside from my brother, everyone else was someone in my life who I'd met through wrestling, you know, wrestling is what boys oh, yeah. do. Yeah. And, um, and these are guys who are still uh, the people that I go to, you know, mm. every day for something, you know, these are the, these are my family members, you know, and that's, and I look around at EPW and I look at the the different clicks that there are. Um, and I just love that there's so many of these lifelong friendships that have been um, harnessed within the EPW. And I think that that is just super important. I really do. Um, yeah. But with that being said, we are not a charity. We do try to, <laughs> we do, you know, we do have standards. You know, I like of course. that we can be a, like you say, a cricket club where there is a ones. You know, there is a ones, there's yeah. a twos, there's a threes, there's a fours. Um, but the club itself is for everyone. Yes, that's, yeah, that's 100%. The balance that we try to get. And I think I don't always get it right, um, but I don't know. Maybe if we can ever find a way to do it like that, where you have your, you know, your seniors, you know, like in footy, where you've got your, the players who are being selected in the ones every week and, and they're like, they take it relatively seriously. And yes. The players who are in the twos, they're pretty happy just having a beer at half time, half the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like, and, and that's cool and they're happy in that spot. And, um, so I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll uh, we'll see. We'll see how it all pans out. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good analogy and something that obviously, uh, you know, very close to my heart because there is those parallels through those sporting clubs and and local wrestling and things like that. So based on that, I think you touched on it a little bit there. Um, but before we go into, I guess, the A to Z of what goes to helping to put together a show, what would you say that EPW's brand is like? If I was, you know, someone who um just a like casual wrestling fan or i might be a diehard wrestling fan or i don't know epw exists yet here in perth western australia and i go to an epw show what should i expect like what what am i going to get out of a show whether i'm a wrestling fan i'm not a wrestling fan i'm a diehard i'm a casual i'm a oh that's what john cena does or hmm. that's what um you know shibata does or whatever it might be what am i going to get out of an epw show look i think that at the moment you're going to get a pretty high quality show really like i think that's always generally the the feedback we get from people is that they're kind of shocked at, at how good it is you know i mean we run on passion really and i think in pro wrestling that passion is is really infectious mm. from a fan's perspective you know when i mean you look what epw was 20 years ago yeah where it was all passion 
it was no one was particularly you know like you can the shows are almost unwatchable now <laughs> yeah. um, but at the time like man they'd get you know we were probably drawing more than we do some of our shows now yeah and the buildings were pumping you know like because that that passion was just so infectious and that's the beauty of wrestling is that you um you know like yeah some of the polish is what makes that's what makes good wrestling into like amazing wrestling we walk a fine line, I think. We run on passion now, but our our acceptable, what's the word, like um, skill and that we Standards expect, you hold yourself standards, to. Our, yeah, standards, yeah. that's the word. The standards we expect on show day are, they're quite high now, really. Yeah. Um, and I know that I get, I get given a lot of grief every time I book people that maybe are not up to a certain standard. Um. But it's a grey, grey area in wrestling. What, what is, you know, because of the, someone might not be up to standard with, say, their, I don't know, skill level as far as uh, clean wrestling goes, mm. but they're going to be super charismatic and, and be able to hold the crowd in the palm of their hands and someone else might be vice versa. <clears throat> um, yeah. And like even so using your analogy there before of like having ones and twos in a sporting club, maybe yeah. that person from the twos just needs a crack at the ones and say, you know, do they sink or swim in that environment? You know, you're not yeah. going to put someone who's completely out of their depth in there. That's just silly. You're not going to put someone from no. the sixth team into the first team. But no. sometimes you just need to have a look and see what they do under the the bright lights in the professional wrestling setting. Yeah, look, definitely. I mean, um, we, I think that like it's, it's really tough in wrestling to to have that ones and twos where, you know, like even in footy, there might be like, say, a ruckman and all you need to do is be better than the other ruckman. To, to be in the ones, you know, and the, um, yeah. <laughs> um, and as a midfielder, you can, you could rank all your midfielders really from one to, to bloody 10 or 20 or whatever it is. And then the top four or five or six go into the ones, you know, obviously not all like that. Yeah. Um, it's definitely not, obviously not that simple, but wrestling is, is oh, well, with, are, with the Bulldogs, you put 10 midfielders <laughs> into yeah, the flank, say, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> 20 <laughs> midfielders. In oh, well, now it's like 15 midfielders and six forwards. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to digress, but there was yeah, just yeah, an easy anyway. opening there. Uh, but, um, but you know it's 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 tough now with wrestling because I think we have a lot of guys who can excel in in certain positions and and so, so I mean say right now where you've got myself and Dan, uh, where we are being booked we've been booking this long term storyline with with Jesse and Slater and um, uh, Brett Mark, Marcus. That's right. Brett slash Marcus um, Fit was yeah, on the show yeah. a few weeks ago. And I was like, we're not going to call you Marcus <laughs> yeah. Fit, Brett, because he was talking about his progress 365. So yes, it's right. right. People people who've been listening to the show know who Brett slash Marcus Fit is. So you're all good there. Yeah, yeah. But like, so we, Dan and I, obviously, we partnered up with Jesse a few years ago because just for a bit of fun, we could film some promos. And Dan and Jesse had their gimmick thing going. And anyway, one thing led to another. And now we're running this feud with the Untouchables. And um, mm. but what that, that the flow and effect from that is it means a lot of the other guys who have been around a long time. Now there's actually not uh, the spot for them isn't there as much because we actually need to have fresh faces on the show as well. So it, it complicates things, you know, and then hopefully next year, Dan and I will take a step back and that'll open up a, a spot for some of those old guys who've been around a long time. And anyway, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, um, it's, a, it's, it's always about being ready in pro wrestling, about ready for that opportunity anyway. Yes, so, absolutely. Because, um, yeah. you know, as you, you spoke about just a little bit before, you know, you got to be flexible. You got to be ready for 10 different variables just 
on the unpredictable nature of pro yep. wrestling, let alone at a local level when, um, yep. you know, you got to worry about, you know, the personal things in terms of like someone might go, you know what, I don't want to really do this wrestling thing anymore. By the way, you've got 12 months of plans out the window or whatever it might be. So you've always got to have those variables. And for a performer, you've always got to be ready to go, okay, yep, there's an opportunity. I'm going to grab it there. Um, yep. So, but speaking of like, I guess, you know, setting up an opportunity or grabbing it, like let's take a little bit of a step back um, into as much detail as you like, or you don't like, I'm not sort of expecting it 8am on a Monday morning, I get yeah, this yeah. out and I message this person, but sort of what's the nuts and bolts tell me what goes into staging, like, for example, maybe not the big Willerton show coming up because there's probably more variables than uh, for that, but just sort of from that A to Z I'm going to put on a pro wrestling show. What's the things that you have to think about and put in place to get that show up and running? Well, look, the, uh, I mean, number one is you got finding a venue. That's the, that's the big one. You know, that's, that's, yeah. I mean, that's half it's not 90% of it is finding the right bloody venue. Like really, um, you need a venue that's got the right vibes in the right location, the price points, you know, right. Um, the setup, ideally it'll be like a, a concert venue with the right setup, mm -hmm. right availability, um, that that's everything, you know. Like, yeah, obviously. Well, sorry, I'll probably skip ahead. First of all, you got to know um, what you want to be as a wrestling show, right? Yeah. Like, if you before you go hunting for a venue, um, are you are you going to be family friendly? Are you going to be targeting kids? Are you going to be, you know, because that'll set up your pro exactly what price point you're going to be going for. Of course, yeah. Um, and then from there, you, you can go and hunt down your venue. Um. But yeah, geez, the venue situation is tough. You know, like it really is in Perth. There's just nothing for what we do, really. Um, you've either got to go to a rec center, which doesn't really just doesn't have the right vibe and the right feel, and the setup is just a bitch. Like, you know, it takes <laughs> all bloody day and all night. All the rigging and the yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's just a nightmare, you know. And then yeah. um, or you gotta find a concert venue, which costs a fortune, and the um venue owners generally don't don't want you there because uh, our fans don't don't drink booze, you know. So, mm. and then you got to put a wrestling ring in the middle of the dance floor. So now your your attendance is capped for a lot of these places. Um, so we were really fortunate for a long time there with Claremont, where yeah. uh, that was just a brilliant venue for us. So, you know, our attendance was going pretty good and everything was lovely. And then obviously once that shut down, mm -hmm. we just got thrown into no man's land. And um, it obviously turned to a blessing in disguise because we had the opportunity to do Williton. Yeah, which is obviously a big stadium. Yeah, uh, and we never went there because we were safe in uh, at Claremont, and we didn't want to run multiple venues. Yeah, so you know there was a nice opportunity there which we took, and you know cost us a small fortune to get it off the ground, but yeah, so, uh, yeah. Anyway, the uh, but you've you've had now this will be your fourth show there with another one to come in February or yeah, have I got that right? Yeah, this is our third. We did reawakening third, yep. ago, yeah, reawakening, and then we did Evo, and then we do another reawakening now. Yeah. Um. So you've then, started a good relationship there. Yeah, it is. Oh, they're fantastic. The venue owners there, I can't can't fault them. You know, they're um they've been lovely to us. I like to think we've been good to them. Like we've never really had any complaints by any venue owners and any landlords. We've always you know done our business. That's Shell, you know, she runs a tight ship. She does yeah. our, all our uh, handles, the boring stuff that we <laughs> wouldn't exist without, you know, like she, she yeah. does all the um, handles, the books and the correspondence and all the rest of it. And, um, you know, she, she keeps us all in line and she's the perfect buffer, I guess, between people like me and 
Um, you know, people who own venues keep, keeps us the appearance of <laughs> professionalism alive and well. <laughs> um, so yeah. So anyway, so the so yes, venue venues is massive. Um, yeah. And then obviously after that, you do need to take take a look at the booking. This is how I like to do, do it anyway. Um, and just quickly, uh, just for those who you know new to wrestling jargon, booking is essentially the writer writing the show, putting together the matches, what you're going to present, and sort of booking and putting say five or six matches on. Those are the matches we're going to showcase and and put on the show, and then meet the like whichever wrestlers are going to be in those. Just for those who aren't familiar with the term booking, there. Oh yes, thank you. Um, but yes, no, I like to have a look at the booking and just uh, just a glance at it to see if we can actually put on a show. You know, do we have the cattle available? Do we have enough top guys? Um, do we have anything engaging storyline-wise? Uh, you know, obviously, you're going to book your venue in advance. So, yeah, theory, obviously not COVID. We, that stopped for oh, a long time. But, <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but yeah, you got to make sure that you can put on a show that's worth promoting, that's worth someone paying their money for, you know. So that's why I like to take a, a look at the booking at that point and just yep. once, once I've had a glance at it, I won't, I won't set anything in stone, but I kind of you look at it. You can go, okay, there's multiple options here. There's a good show here that we can get behind. Um, and then after that, you, you just r r rally the troops, come up with a marketing plan, get after it, really. And then on the show day, of course, that's where the real logistical fun begins. We will race back to marketing in just a moment because it's yeah. a huge part of what you do and and also what you need to do for a successful show. But yeah. um, but just in that show day, that sort of all hands on deck, the deck sort of philosophy of you know you got to bring the ring to your venue. So you guys have yeah. a, a ring in your training school, um, and you have to take that to a brand new venue where you don't usually host a wrestling ring and set that up and set up the you know appropriate chairs, guards, and lights if applicable, and that sort of thing. So that must be sort of a you know takes a village on the day to do that. Oh, huge, huge! It's a massive undertaking. Every show, you know, it's something that I think we has become the norm, been the norm for 20, 20 plus years now. That um, show day output. You know, yeah, that's that's required. And we probably forget that it's it's kind of ridiculous, you know, like this ten in the morning to you know two in the morning day. Yeah, it's just a massive thing. You know, it really is, and we do we just forget. Uh, but you know, what? I think we forget because most of us kind of love it in our own weird way. We and again <laughs> because because our community is so important. Like for me, it's a day where I get to go and hang out with all my mates for twelve hours. Yeah, um, and. You know, you get to forget about the bills and uni and study and work and, you know, um, yep. you're not wiping any bums, you know, in a literal sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Maybe in a figurative sense, you still yeah, need to yeah. do still, that still, a little bit. I'm still still getting screamed at, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but at least the voices are slightly less shrill. <laughs> For, wow okay for half a day <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah no like it's you know it is it's, it's a really I, I enjoy it a lot you know like um i do i love i love the show day atmosphere you know i just i really it's just enjoyable i've never i've never taken it for granted you know then at the end of the day it is just get got to get your ring you get that set up your production is a is obviously that is as hard as you want it to be yeah um and we, you know, you need to make sure you got the right people there to to can do all that, have those skills. I have none, zero skills in that sense. 
uh, like everything else in EPW. So you just got to lean, <laughs> lean on the people that that do have them and, and take their word for it. You know, at the end of the day, that's what they're doing. And yeah, yeah. So it's big, big in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just before we move away from the actual logistics of the day, um, you mentioned there with with the setup and and earlier on about you know the the people you've got to sort of always manage. How important are keeping those enthused, passionate volunteers to a local wrestling company? You know, obviously EBW relies on a lot of people who you mentioned back in what two thousand and one. It was fueled by passion. I make the argument it still is now with the amount mm-hmm. of people that that can. Vi- so much of their time and their life to it. So how important are volunteers to get uh, a local pro wrestling show off the ground? Oh, like for us, you know, what we do, I mean, we, without them, we, we don't do a show. You know, we always say to people, you know, we ask, you know, well, what's your show day roster preferences? Um, and we say to people, you know, you, you don't have to help out on show day if you don't want to. Um, we just won't do shows anymore, you know, really. It's not like an empty, and I don't say it as like an empty threat. It's not meant to be that way, but it's like a no. legitimate, like the day that, say like when I can't be bothered driving a truck and Dan can't be bothered driving a truck and CJL can't be bothered driving a truck, well, then we'll stop doing shows, you know, like it's just like at that point, it, it can't be worth it at that point. Yeah. Um, if people can't be bothered giving up, like I said, I, I love it because I love being there with all these people and I love, the wrestling scene and the local scene. And if when the day comes when I don't love it anymore, then I will stop doing it. Um, and and then EPW may go belly up. And, you know, at that point, I probably won't care because I, I don't care. Right? Like, if I want to be there, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to care. And when enough people don't care, then we'll, we'll shut down, you know? So, yeah. um, so our volunteers are just critical, absolutely critical. You know, we don't exist without them. Um, literally don't exist without them. You know, we exist without our best wrestlers and we exist without our management team and we exist without all kinds of people, but we do not exist without volunteers, you know, like um, pure, pure and simple. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and it's just like, it's not just show day, you know, like the guys that, you know, you've, you've done marketing for us uh, for a long period of time at a really high level and you were doing it. Um, I mean, you know, it's just a, it's time consuming. It's, it's, not, it's I mean, it. You know, but, like it's not, you know, we can't afford to pace say like, you buy the hour. If you break it down and no, hour, don't do, yeah, like yeah. it's just like we just can't when we're doing yeah. them. Um, it's not not possible. Yeah, don't feel bad. I just went on to another thing that doesn't pay me in my spare time, like a podcast. So it's all good. <laughs> yeah, so it's all good. I I, I just that don't feel bad about me personally because I just yeah. I'm a glutton for that thing. But it's a good point. Like you know, for being fortunate enough to to have you know some of those backstage roles with EPW during my time um, mm. with you guys in the fold, yeah. and it's now good to see like especially when I was sort of leaving that position to, to focus more on, on the MBL one stuff, yeah. it was like seeing some of those younger names come in and that's how they sort of, that's how you regenerate. And I'm not Absolutely. just saying regenerate because I've been watching Dr. Who recently, but that's how you regenerate a local wrestling company is like, as the older guys sort of start going, you know what, maybe not necessarily, I don't care. Or I can't be bothered, but it's yeah. starting to be like, my priorities are shifting to yeah. see that next wave then come in. Cause the guys and, and girls who were volunteering in 2001, for the most part, <laughs> are not the same guys and girls who are volunteering in 2011, in 2021 to 2023. Yeah. Yeah, look, and that's that's exactly right. You know, like, I mean, my, my time is running out as well, like, and not because I'm not passionate, but it's because my, my um, like you say, my priorities are shifting, you know, like it's a, um, I do 90% of my work when I'm away at sea and when I'm at home, I really struggle because my, it's not just me now, you know, it's my, obviously my kids, they've got, you know, two girls that are, 
five and three. Yeah. Uh, my wife's career, you know, like she's a school teacher. She's um, starting to do uh, de- de- deputy principal work. Oh, wow. So okay, that's yeah. a, so that, that takes away my time. So when I'm home, I've got to, you know, pick up, a, I say pick up a slack, that's not the right word, but I've got to like pull my weight at home, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm at uni. And um, once I enter a new career, then that's going to take up all my brain capacity and I'll, I will have nothing left 3PW at that point. Yeah. And someone else will have to like take over. Yeah. Um, and someone will, you know, like CJL is, is fantastic. Don's fantastic. Um, you know, there's plenty of people that can that can take the reins and, and keep EPW ticking over. You know, it's something we, we've tried really hard to to do, like to make sure that we're all replaceable ultimately, you know, like yeah. every one of us could, you know, fall off a cliff tomorrow and someone else will step in. And if they don't, well then whatever. Like, I don't know, you just you, you make it work. Someone, <laughs> make it work. Um, someone else will, someone else will pick something up and do it, but maybe, well, definitely yeah, not that, at the same standard, but someone, yeah, well, will... I mean, someone, hopefully someone come and do it better. You know, that would be yeah. ideal. Like, um, you know, maybe someone at the moment I'm, I'm in the position I'm in because I have a vision of EPW that I want. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong. I don't know. But then maybe someone else comes in with a different vision. Maybe maybe that that's the right vision, you know. And well, maybe not. Like I don't I don't, I don't know, right? Like yep. I think. But if you go through EPW's history yeah, as a fan, the reality is you probably don't know who was pulling the strings at, at any particular time. Like oh, you know, yeah. on the outside in, it's it's probably all much of muchness, really. Mm. Um, and I, I assume it'll be the same when I step down and someone else comes in, then EPW will just, we'll just keep chugging along, yeah. uh, which is the way it should be, you know, like, a, which will be nice, you know, like um, as well. Yeah. They'll only know when I put, bring that person onto the show, but um, yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, I just want to quickly talk about marketing and, you know, you threw yeah. me under the bus then, you know, um, now people are going to look back at the marketing post and go, Oh, the one with all the puns in it. Yeah. That's probably Eric. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Shock horror. But yeah. um, the, Having a, a live crowd there at your at your shows is so important, not necessarily mm. from the profit and loss point of view, which obviously is important. You got to keep the lights on, so to speak. But yeah. to have that atmosphere, to keep building that community of having a you know connected fan base with a really connected performer base, you've yeah. got to have people in there. You don't want to just do it in front of five people there, sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah. you know, WWE has weekly global television and social media channels out the wazoo, you know, the, yeah, yeah. you know, the challenger brand there in AEW does that, does that really well now as well. How yeah. do you as a local company trying to market specifically to an audience that can attend shows in Perth, Western Australia, how, how do you attract your audience and sort of keep them there? What are the sort of things that you look to do from a marketing perspective? For me, my, my personal beliefs, you know, on this, and again, this might be, you know, be wrong whatever but we, you know we don't have the budget for mainstream media marketing yeah um so we are a small business we're you know community company whatever mm. so for me the big the biggest advertisement we have is actually the show itself you know um yeah. if that show is a high quality well, and that's why we invest the money we do into production um it's why we tell our guys to to get get to the gym you know and make sure and treat it like professionally it's why we try to hold our guys on shows to a high standard mm-hmm because that is the best form of marketing we have is the show itself. Someone will come to that show and then you were then word of mouth being the other one. Um, and if those two things are working, if someone comes to the show and they love it, they're going to tell their mates, you know, wrestling fans tend to stick, stick together. They operate in clumps as we know, you know, wrestling yeah. fans gravitate towards each other. Um, and then we try to just get them to keep coming back. Really. We, we get them to the show and then we engage them with storylines and then we hope that word of mouth spreads out. 
Social media has helped with that, obviously. There's particularly the targeted marketing because you can target wrestling fans and make sure that your stuff is popping up in front of potentially new fans all the time. Yeah. Um, but generally it is word of mouth is what we what we rely on, right, rightly or wrongly. Um, that's, but that. I, I think that's a good point because you did mention that um, a fair chunk when I was in the marketing role. It's like, you know, you can, I was about to put words in my mouth, so you can do all the awesome stuff you're doing and I'll just pat myself on the back, but you can do all you're yeah. doing. But yeah. if we get... XYZ amount of people through the door and we deliver a stinker, you can be, yeah, you can be the best salesperson in the world. You can be, yeah. you know, Mark Cuban or whatever, and just like yeah. just be promotion king. Doesn't matter yeah. if we you, you go get the people in the door and they go, Well, that was a big fat pile of poo on the, the that show of wasted three yeah. hours. Yeah. And that word of mouth's gonna go there as well. So it's a really good point. Yeah. And, you know, we, we did speak to Brett from Progress 365 and you and I have joked previously, you know, I think he's now a sponsor, but you should almost be paying him as a company for that, the standard now that has been set with a lot of the, the, the wrestlers. I mean, you look at yeah. the likes of uh, Taylor King, who's going to be in the um, the main event at your, your next show, you see the difference in transformation from that professional look uh, yeah, to maybe, maybe a Taylor two, three years ago or something like that. And that's a big advertisement because you, you know, wrestling is it talks about uh, being a circus like yep. you know you don't like that you'll have this you'll have this attraction so not everyone has to be the same body shape size gender whatever but they've got to look professional they've got to look like they belong there in a ring yeah oh absolutely you know it's it's huge like it's um the aesthetics like whether you like it or not pro wrestling is an aesthetics based industry you know that's mm. just that's, that's what it is like it's a um, your body shape, your look, it's it's important. Like it, you know, you can't pretend you can't pretend it's not just because it's 2023. Like it's uh that's just just the reality of, of what we are and what we do. Um, yeah. you don't have to look like a professional bodybuilder, particularly at our level, but you have to, your look is just so important. Yeah. Um and most of us don't look, you know, particularly different or intimidating to anyone else which means we have to at least look like we're in shape yeah um so well, well you do depends on whether or not you're wearing the the, the straight jacket again you look pretty intimidating oh <laughs> yeah the jumpsuit yeah. and all that logo rules with the unpick the logo that's right yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you know it's funny like because that's something that I, the look is something i've always struggled with like that, that side of wrestling for me as a wrestler mm. this has been one of my big challenges now as a director like is where like a lot of the these things where I'm trying to hold other people to this standard that I actually was always guilty of never meeting myself, you know, when I was um when I was younger. So, you know, something I try and try to keep in mind. I can I can understand it when people are a bit too casual with their look, but ultimately, yeah. you know, if they nowadays, if you're not if you don't care about your look, well, you don't have to be. We can't make you, but like mm. we also don't have to book you either. You know, like it's not our prerogative to to book anyone if they're not going to help help the show advance the show. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, yeah, I mean, the look is so important. And the other one I wanted to mention before as well, in terms of the the transformation, was um the the Hayden Zenith um and what what they did at your last show as well. Just you know, his transformation in the last year or so as well has been incredible. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. He yeah. Hayden's been um. Quite phenomenal, really, like where he came from, where because he, he's he's been around a long time, yeah. you know, like a long, long time, um, yeah. and he's sort of peaked now, you know, like yeah. I don't want to say out of the blue, but it feels like it's happened pretty quickly. Yeah, um, those overnight sensations don't always happen overnight, no, do they? You know, like, but yeah, you just like we, 
we put the the reawakening card together, I don't know, three months ago, four months ago or something. Um, he was running the program with Del Cano. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we said to those guys, like, look, we're not going to give you guys anything else to, you know, you guys run your program, see it through. Yep. And we'll kind of reassess after that. So their program ended the show before reawakening. And, but man, he can consider himself like brutally, brutally unlucky to not be booked at mm. this show. Um, it's That's all- sometimes the trade-off. Sorry to interrupt, but like sometimes yeah. the trade-off with what you were talking about, what's the best possible show that I put together? Yeah. And, and and having not not been in those creative meetings for quite some time, thank goodness, but mm. um, but you'd, you'd probably weigh it up and go, can you finish that particular story on the show before with a bit more time and a bit more gravitas and, and give yeah. that opportunity, that best spotlight for not only that story, but that also that show before your, your, your current big one, or is it going to be on the big show in a much different unhighlighted role? So you've always got to do that bit of a juggle of what's going to be the best possible show you can put together for, for your fan base. So it is, it is interesting. And that's one of the biggest challenges you, you do have there mm. um, in terms of when you have to put together a show. Um, I just want to quickly spin it before we sort of go towards the home stretch um, in your role so far, what do you think the sort of the biggest achievements so far that, that you've been able to tick off there? I was always really anal about not having these dip shows, you know, like we'd, we'd have these shows every year. There would be like one or two shows that, that ran at a loss, that drew, you know, bugger all compared to whatever the yearly average was. Yeah. Um, they were just bad. They weren't good. And because we were always building towards the bigger shows, we've always done the big shows well, but we, we've never been overly consistent. And our fans and wrestlers could spot that gap show a mile mm. away. They just, yeah. you know, they knew when there was a gap show and they would, no one would come, no one would tell their mates to come um, and everyone stay away because they knew that they was building towards the show after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was something that I, I guess, really uh, focused on was getting rid of that gap show, you know, yeah. and and we've done that. I think we've only had one show run at a loss since I've been um, running EPW, which was our first show we did in Marawa. Um, oh, so okay, running yeah. in a completely new venue and yeah. miles away from everywhere. So, you know, there were reasons for that. But at the end of the day, we just we just cocked it up. You know, like I think I I I dove in too quick. I sort of didn't really step back and slow down. I was too keen to just get a show off the ground at a new venue. We were struggling with finding venues at the time. Yeah. Um, so that was a, that was a misfire from me. But like we uh, but yeah, but anyway, it's it's mostly we've pretty much done away with that gap show, which is nice. That gap show mentality, even you know, like even as a a booking team, we just don't allow it anymore. We, if we, you know, even when bookers would come to us with a one of these gap shows, we would kind of hand it back and say, "Not good enough," you know, yeah. try again. And that always went down about as well as you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. imagine. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, but anyway, that's the you know, it didn't happen. That was a really hard thing. Yeah. to to get through you know to that, that required a real change of our culture almost yeah so that's absolutely. probably been my something i look at as being something i think i've done brought into epw quite well i guess i mean the, the proof in the pudding is that that show that we we're just talking about there you had the finish of that that story with the the, the zenith and delcano characters yeah. you also had a, a tag team title change yeah. which is pretty yeah. Big moment. So it yeah, you know, we did the last the last uh championship match there too. Yeah. Like, you know, where we did we paid off all these pretty big storylines at a show 
which is show before reawakening, which is always a always a battle that show. Yes, because fans know that reawakening, the big end of your show. It's always been our biggest show. They know that's coming up. Mm. Uh, so we intentionally do. We 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 did these things. Fantasia, another really hard luck story of reawakening, where he's just unbelievable. You know, um, I'm a huge Mark Beam and what what he's done. Um, I rate him really, really, really highly, and he's missing out at RA as well. Yeah. Um, and and it just sucks, but but we we chose to blow these matches off at uh, Vendetta, um, the show the previous show. Yep. So that that wasn't a gap show, but it does mean that these guys do miss out at this one. All right, well, let's put that sort of coach's hat on there for you. And I'm not yep. talking about a fantasy football coach because uh, I'm not sure you went particularly well this year, says me, a, a reigning dunce somewhere along the line. I was going to say, I think I scrapped in the finals. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so let's put that coach's hat on. Um, first thing I'm going to get you to do is uh, if I'm, you know, listening to the show and going, you know what, I'm a huge pro wrestling fan. I've got a bit of, bit of spare cash and, and, you know, I think I can build a community. Um, and as long as it's not on December 16th in Willerton, yeah. um, what sort of the tips and tricks you could say to someone who would be looking to get, to put together a show? For me personally, what I'll, if you're asking me what I'd say, I'd say, well, give me a call and help us put on a bloody show. You know, like it's <laughs> a, a band together. I don't know. This like, I don't know. There's this weird thing with people want to put on their own shows. Like just help us put on a bloody show. Like, um, yeah. But anyway, but if you uh, help Ben on, because you want to be the one making decisions, which is fair, it's easy for oh. me to say that when I am the one that gets to make the decisions. And let's say they're not in perfect. Let's say there's, yeah, yeah, let's no, say there's no wrestling around. So just there's a fictitious sorry. wrestling land. Different city. Let's say you've different gone to city. a different town. Yes. Different town. Yeah, yes. Okay. Somewhere someone doesn't know about. It's like imagination yeah. land. All right. Well, let's, I mean, you got to start with the logistics of everything, you know, like wrestling rings, they don't grow on trees. They're expensive. They're hard to transport. They're hard to store. So I think the very, very first thing you've got to do is is look at it logistically. Look at it without removing remove the emotion. And um, have, I tell you what, who'd be a good one to have a chat just to bring on your show would be a Brad and ask him all this stuff because he went to Darwin and did exactly this. He started his yes. own there. Um, so he could be a bloody brilliant one to to pick his brain on exactly what what it took to do to do this, you know, and and he laid the foundations for. Um, what could end up being like a little hub there. It sounds like they've got a good good bunch of guys, a good crew. Um, uh, um, that top, top End Wrestling, I think. Yeah, they, they rebranded to Top End Wrestling. But um, yeah. I know the blokes that came down and, and did the, the Royal Show, shows with EBW, yeah. I think they're pretty much the driving forces of it now and yeah. ripping blokes and it looks like that good community vibe as well there. Yeah, and look, and this that was Brad. Brad went up there and he was a long-time EPW person and he moved towns and started his own promotion and, uh, so yeah, and I think that it was it was all this logistic stuff where he they crunched the numbers. They also made sure that they weren't going to be burning all of their life savings on this, yeah. <laughs> this undertaking. Um, and again, they find a venue and a school and and these kinds of things which are sh- potential to be showstoppers. Um, and then once they sorted out those those things, then it's just a matter of I guess making sure your culture is on point um, that you're. You know, if, if you are going to be a, what your standards are, you know, like, are you going to have like high in-ring standards, a body shape, whatever? Like, is that going to be a real major factor for you? Are you just happy with everyone having fun? You know, you're going to run on passion. Again, that's yeah. fun too. Um, yeah, like, you know, I think that's I'm really, that's the one, isn't it? It's this logistics and culture. And then yeah. off you go. Um, and then make sure you get the right people doing the right things. 
Yeah, it's a good point. I think knowing what you are, and I'm not saying that you've got to have a concrete, okay, this is what we're going to be and we will not waver from that. But you want to have that concept or that idea of what you're going to be. Uh, I think you mentioned it before. Are you going to be that family-friendly show that you're going to be trying to just target it at kids and, and parents and things like that? Because if mm. you're doing that, you're not going to have a big bloody street fight or something like that. So just knowing yeah. what you want to be. And uh, I think um, with with um, with EPW, it's been wanting to be really good pro wrestling and, and that world-class sort of thing that you know, we we used to trumpet all the time on the on the marketing, but that's yeah. that's a direction and a culture that you want to put in. So it's knowing yeah. what you want to be, and that's a big part of it. It's a really good, really good guidance there for someone who was looking to do it. Again, not in Williton on December sixteenth, just somewhere no. else in the world, or Perth, <laughs> or Perth in general. <laughs> so I, I had you put the coaching hat on there for a moment. Just going to get you to put the the wrestling trunks on for a moment as well. Yeah. Uh, so this is quite a visual there. I hope you've got of Bobby Marshall, but. Um, yeah. just finally, in terms of the, the guidance and the tips and tricks, um, any wrestlers who like, you know, I'm not sure if we went into real big depth about it, but like people join something like EPW because they either want to get fit and be part of a community atmosphere and the shows are just sort of a bit of fun. Some people join it going, I want to get the very best out of myself as a pro wrestler. This is yeah. something I would like to do as a career this is where I start. And then there's going to be branches. You look at the likes of, you mentioned Mikey Nichols before, Shane Haste, um, who, you know, got the quote unquote dream jobs in, in WWE for quite some time. Also big yeah. stars in New Japan as well, uh, pro wrestling. So what's your tips and tricks to someone who, you know, wants to get involved in wrestling and want to go as far as they can go in that, that sort of mold? Uh, I mean, it looks tough tough for me to give too much advice because I obviously never really made it like particularly far, but I, I guess. I mean, I'm, you certainly had opportunities and, and the experiences. Yeah, look, and... I mean, I've, I've been fortunate enough to spend yeah. a lot of time with people who, who have made it quite far and to speak to who run these tryouts and things, yeah. you know, and, and I can tell you that the, I mean, one of the best things you can, you can be is you, know, you have to be able to take advice from people who are not good at giving advice, you know, like, yeah. yes, Yes, this is 2023 and, and yes, you know, like you need to put when you're giving feedback, it should be in, in a positive way and a compliment sandwich and all that mm. rah, rah. But the reality is in people in wrestling are not, you know, like a lot of us are pretty, <laughs> pretty average human beings. Like <laughs> a lot of, a lot of fragile, like a lot of fragile egos. And as mm. someone who has a really fragile ego, you know, it's taken me a long time to, to sort of accept that. Mm. That like you're not always quick to to dole out positive feedback, um, and sometimes I think I was always someone who was guilty of maybe sort of knocking people down way too much just to make myself feel better about myself. You know that that's just a reality. You know I was a bully, but that's a, that's a whole other story. You know that I had to mm. had to work through. But there's there's a lot of people like that in wrestling, and you have to be able to take. You might go in there and wrestle a match and they'll just come back and go, well, you look like shit type thing. You know, maybe everything yeah. else is fine. But then you've got to be able to take a step back and go, fuck, you know what? I actually probably could hit the gym a little more. Yeah. Um, or maybe my execution wasn't that clean. You know, maybe he's right. Like, yeah, yeah, he's a dick, but mm. maybe there is some truth to that. Um, whereas if you just have this victim mentality of like, oh, what a, how dare he speak to me like that? How dare that person you know, make me feel this way, well, then you're actually going to get nothing out of that conversation. 
Yeah. Um, and you are now in the same place you were in before that conversation even happened. Whereas if you can, and even say fans, like fans um, will, oh, this guy, you know, they'll make some comment on social media about how you're boring or you're, they don't like your matches or whatever. Mm. It's easy to say, oh, well, that fan doesn't know what they're talking about. They're not a bloody wrestler. But if you can actually take that bit of feedback and and not, not to say that you implement every little piece of feedback you get, but you can actually yourself step back, absorb it, think about it, weigh it up um, and pick out the nuggets of gold, well, then you're going to get so much better than everyone else. Because if you're relying on feedback from people like, like Slater or like a Dave, you know, like people who are sort of either school teachers or they run a business or whatever, and they, they've learned how to give feedback, how to dish out, you know, positive feedback, mm. then you've cut back the amount of improvement by about 90%. Like, because you just, there's only about five people in EPW who you'll be able to get feedback from. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, so, and that you can, and that's the same all over the world, everywhere I've been, um, everywhere I've wrestled, it's like that. Yeah. So you've got to be able to, have a thick skin and and work it out. And then the other one is you, you've got to get to the gym, you know, like it or not. You you need to be in the gym. The WWE will decide if you're worth their time by a photo. They'll look at look at a photo of you and decide if you are worth worth a damn. Yeah. Um, whether you like it or not, that that is just the reality of how pro wrestling is. We've already said that it's this aesthetic industry. Yeah. Um, and I can tell you right now that they they will you have to pass the photo test you know, where they need to look at a profile photo and decide whether you are worth uh, going further. They're not yeah. going to watch your 25-minute ladder match. You know, they're no. not going to watch your, you know, your 30-minute, you know, your 12 months of feud with someone. <laughs> like, they just don't <laughs> Does they, this they, person they, look like a superstar? That's it. That's yeah. the one. They go, and, and, you know, don't get me wrong. You, they'll, they'll look at guys if they're, check if they're, they're malleable and all the rest of it as well, because they yeah. can teach you how to wrestle. They, they can teach you all that stuff far better than anyone else can, obviously. Mm. Um, but they need to make sure that you have the, um, the, I guess, the frame or the look or the, the baseline, I guess, or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's, you know, be, be realistic. Yeah. Don't, absolutely. Go to the gym. don't, don't, oh, and don't, the other one is do not chase outliers, you know, like don't look at Mick Foley and say, I'm going to be the next Mick Foley because Mick Foley is the only Mick Foley. He's the yes. only, you yes. know, like that's the reality. You know, look at, um, you'll see him punk who's this smaller map based guy who's hugely successful, you know, massively successful, but to be a map based successful wrestler in the assuming the WWE is where you want to go like it's just not really likely yeah um you know you got to look at again pick pick your goal I suppose and then yeah look at what's normal to yep. achieve that goal and don't yeah go, go from there yeah perfect um yeah it's really spot on and I think there's other industries as well that that can um, refer to not just um wrestling but entertainment and sport you know sometimes you're going to get feedback in not the right way but if you can pick the yeah. gold as to okay why could that a person even if they're a miserable human being why could they yeah. have seen that boringness that that lack of crispness that lack of execution in a role whatever it might have been so absolutely right um yeah. You mentioned uh, WWE a bit there. Sometimes, you know, for a lot of wrestlers, that is the goal and the majority of it, they, that is the case. And for some of them, they're lying as well when they say it's not. But um, they are bringing that big old entertainment juggernaut to Perth in February. How big is that for sort of Australian wrestling, EPW, for for that sort of scale of production to come to not only Australia, but specifically Perth 
Uh, how much do you see that helping or sort of affecting Australian wrestling? Oh, look, ultimately, like it's massive. Like, let's not, not, not to kid ourselves here. It's a huge thing. Like, there will be a, you've already seen it in Perth. I mean, was it CM Punk came back to the WWE and it was on the front page of the West Australian. Like that's crazy. That <laughs> is, is crazy. Insane, you know, like, that's that's yeah. nuts. So there's there's going to be a spotlight of wrestling for the next six months or whatever it is, three months. You know, which is awesome. But the reality is, in twelve months' time, they'll come, they'll go, um, and then everything will just be what it is now. Like all these things, when you're in it, it's huge and it will be huge. Um, mm. But then ultimately, it'll it'll come, and yep. and it'll go. You know, or Maybe this is the start of the WWE really having a spotlight on Australia and yeah. investing some time and some money, um, yeah. you know, like they did with the UK a few years ago. Even though it didn't really work out, so maybe not. We don't really have the population, you know, for where we're going to be worth too much of an investment in 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 reality. Um, yeah. But you know, hey, who, who the hell knows? Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, there's look, definitely an opportunity there because um, EBW is putting the show on on the yeah. week on the Friday night before. The uh, the elimination chamber event, the WWE event. So I mean, the, um, that's a, like a super show. Uh, a lot of the the best of the best of Australian talent are coming over for it. Tell us a little oh, bit about that and sort of what brought that on. You know, obviously there's you know the obvious piggyback on the back of you know a lot of renewed wrestling interest in in Perth. Yeah, I mean, look to be honest with you, that was just me, I guess, going straight to the biggest, dumbest, highest risk idea that we could come up with, and and that Dale going, yep. You know, he did the quick scan of, you know, is is that actually dumb or is it actually could it actually work? And you know, sure enough, came back as a yep, that that could work, and and then it just blew up from there. And I mean, like uh, like you say, with the WWE coming, like people are going to get signed. You know, like like yeah, don't don't worry about that. This is going to be life changing for you know a few people in Australia. Like guys will get signed. I guarantee, guarantee people are going to yep. be getting um, contracts out of this. Yeah, um, which is huge obviously for these individuals and for australian wrestling in general yeah uh, so that show itself because of the um everyone is expecting a tryout of some sort or scouts or whatever like the we have the roster for that show is insane there yes. will never ever ever be another show ever in australia with that level of talent in the locker room ever yeah uh local talent i should say obviously the the, the next night will be slightly <laughs> <local> talent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> with apologies to the boys <laughs> uh, but the local local homegrown talent because these guys are they're, they're paying for their own flights you know to come here yeah and you know you just can't no company can realistically justify paying for the flights and the match fees of the guys uh that are coming you know because yeah. you you just you not just broke, you'd be all sorts of debt, you know, by the end of it. Um, so we're in a really privileged position to be able to be um, looking at, at the locker room that we're going to have. Yeah. Um, because they're all coming here for the WWE show, obviously. So we don't need to pay their flights. We just have to pay match fees, essentially. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it's just, it's huge. It's, it's going to be that the, it's really exciting, I think, to to see where you're going. I mean, even on the, like I said to you, when we go to put on a show earlier, that the first thing I do is scan the card, essentially, to make sure we've got a show we can promote. And on this one, we went, geez, we have like eight main events, you know, like. <laughs> That's um, insane. It's insane. It really is. Like, like I think we were looking at, uh, like, even some of the matches that we're going to have to not do. These are like main event level matches in EPW that we're just not going to be able to 
book, you know, like <laughs> because yeah. the show was six hours. Yeah. Um, but so even it, like, yeah, following along on the EPW Perth social media, just some of the names have been announced so far. Yeah. Just depending on where this goes, we've probably shouldn't mention the names yet, but I'll make sure we share some links. But um, yeah. yeah, it's a who's who. Of, it is, oh, literally. Like, like, it's, it's it, it, we, we plan the show thinking, oh, look, we'll definitely get a few. You know, a few people come here to watch the show. Um, if they do a tryout, we'll get a few more. Um, but we've got, it's everyone. It's bloody everyone. It's nuts. You know, it really is. Yeah. It's like it's blown my mind, the um, the guys that are coming over. So it's it's awesome. It really is. It's really, really awesome. It's going to be tough to book this show. Yeah. Um, but also easy because all you need to do is get the hell out of everyone's way. Put these yeah. guys... Um, in the ring and stay out of their way. So it's going to be great. I'm really, really excited about that one. Yeah, no, it looks so great. I'm going to try and find my old credentials and sneak in. No, no, yeah. I'll, pro I'll probably just buy a ticket like a normal human being. It looks great. This Saturday coming up or a Saturday in a long time ago, if you're listening to this in the future, but this Saturday coming up on December 16, there's no TV ads. So you don't have to worry about that. You, uh, there's going to be a, a hell of a show there for EPW. It's reawakening. It's the, the big show um, yeah. that they build to um, tell us, uh, tell us why I was going to say why I should be going there, but I'm already keen, but tell us um, what people should look forward to and why they should be looking at getting tickets for the big show this weekend. Ah, oh, look, I, th I think that there's a lot of cool like stories that have been building for a long period of time, you know, and, and it's certainly going to be action facts. I mean, a lot of, it's really, really good show on paper, um, which I would say that, I guess it's, <laughs> we were just talking about how a promotion thing, but, would just um, say that yeah but. yeah 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 but I, I think it is a strong a strong show on paper um i really love the the tay what tay and don have done this year mm -hmm. you know their story i think they've done just an amazing job those two so that's um, the um, main attraction that's, match. The main that's, event, for the, yeah. that's for the championship isn't it yes it is yeah so so i think that'll be that'll be great i'm really excited for that one personally um to watch that as a as a fan um obviously i'm excited for my own match you know i love i'm, I'm a huge mark for jesse I, I just think he's 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 just unbelievable you know his his crowd connection is i just he operates on another level you know really mm -hmm. it's remarkable what 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 he's like yeah he, um so that of course is the uh so it's a career versus career match isn't it for, hmm. for your your character the bobby marshall um yeah. and dan moore with the, yeah. the jesse lambert Versus the Untouchables, yeah. which is Marcus Pitt, who's a friend of the show, so we can't badmouth him. Damian no. Slater and and Amber. So you know, really, and I'm not just saying this to pump your tires, but four of the best wrestlers that EPW's ever produced. Um, Jesse Lambert, who has that crowd connection and is, is really entertaining, and, and Amber, who's been such a um, you know an important integral piece of so much of what has happened in EPW. The way she's added to presentations of you know oh, champions geez, and geez. made them seem better than they were so it's yeah. a huge match with huge stakes and it's been a story that you've been building for quite some time <laughs> yeah been too long you might say it's been about four <laughs> years in the making uh um and funnily enough we kind of uh i wasn't booking when it all first started i wasn't involved in the booking but um we my bad uh you know we, we kind of put well you know i think i remember saying to jesse like you know because obviously slater and, and brett are two of the tip top guys um in in EPW in Australia, really, but in EPW. And and I said to him, like, you know, you want to wrestle these guys, you got to keep keep filming promos 
and and working them into your promos online, you know, and then that's kind of what we did. We just we kept cutting promos on them, and uh, <laughs> and then, you know, in the end, we fell into this storyline, and um, yeah, it's been and look, it's it's been a lot of fun, you know, like this, um, you know, I don't I don't have my body is is slowly like, quickly deteriorating, you know, like I just don't have long left anyway, so the uh, yeah, and I think Dan Dan's a sign, you know, like where we are whether this is our last match or not, like we don't have many big matches left. You know, I, I dare say this probably, you know, for me personally, this this will be my play last big match regardless. Like I just I just can't see myself having another four-year storyline against two of the best guys in Australia. Like it's yeah. not, not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, so. Um, I'm just going to say, because I'm going to help, I'm going to help you sell it a bit. He's completely underselling himself here. And that's just, that's just a normal Bobby thing to do like it is going to be a hell of a match no matter how well, old it, and broken down he apparently is but it will, it will be like it's going to be a lot of fun you know like yeah. jesse is i am a huge mark for jesse like and everything he touches turns to gold that that's the reality yes um, and slater and muffins not slater and uh marcus they don't they don't accept anything less than tip top you know like they're to a fault at times um so look, it's going to be a lot of fun. I personally, I'm, I'm really, really excited for it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just it'll be fun. It'll be a lot of fun, I think. And uh, that's that's the name of the game at the end of the day. So, the yeah. last last match I want to ask you about, um, you know, because we won't go through the whole card. It is a hell of a card. Make sure you have a look at it on the EPW Perth social medias. But um, there's the the match between uh, you mentioned Davis Storm and Devlin Reeves before. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're taking on CJL and uh, and Pete from the radio apparently. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean that's some Pete's come in and he's he's been um, been amazing for us. Like really, like he mm. he's just a really like um, infectiously happy guy. Like he's uh he's just brilliant. Like he really is. He's fun fun to be around. He's um. He's great, you know, and then he's and he took to wrestling shockingly well. Yeah, he came in and you know we we got the call from ninety four point five asking about this wrestling thing and would we be interested? And we were like, well, of course we will. We're a small business. You're a mainstream radio company. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you... Sorry. Yeah. Don't even let them finish the question. Yeah, like straight up. So that was awesome. And then um, uh, and Pete came in. Obviously trained up for his match with Mike, and um. And he just did awesome. Like he really did. Like he list could follow instructions. He would be told something. And then the next time he would run that sequence, he would you could see him Im- implementing the feedback he was given. Um so yeah, I can't, yeah, you know, I really hope that those guys go out there and have a lot of fun. And I hope Dave doesn't die. That would be nice. <laughs> um hopefully Dale can wind back the clock, you know, like he hasn't been in the ring in almost 10 years himself. Um so, I mean, yeah, I mean CJL's. I think the most experienced wrestler in there, if you're looking at the last 12 months. So, <laughs> so hopefully he can hold everything together. And um, yeah, look, I think that'll be, that'll be a fun, unique kind of match. And, you know, you know, geez, Barley, everything, everything he does is, is at the highest level as well. Yeah. Um, I'm always a big mark for him as a wrestler. And, um, you know, like, uh, I don't know how many more matches he has left. I don't think he doesn't know how many more matches he has left either, you know, like, yeah. so, you know, it would would shock me to see the end of like half a dozen careers at this reawakening. To be honest, like it's a uh, the way that the the wind is blowing. So yeah, anyway, yeah. 
So. Yeah, so definitely get down there. Um, if you haven't already got your ticket, um, you can get that. Um, at EPW Perth is usually the social media accounts on uh, Instagram or X, X, um, or on Facebook. Um, you've got the EPW Perth page. Make sure you follow there. All the links to all the tickets. But uh, um, in the meantime, Bob, I just want to thank you for taking time out of your your busy week. As you say, when you're you're back on uh, on the on the mainland, so to speak, this is usually your you know, time we, we don't really get as much as you, as we like. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I do really appreciate you making the time. Is there any final words that you want to say based on what we'd chat on today or, or, you know, the show's coming up or anything like that before we call it a day and let you get back to the real world? No, not really. Like, I mean, I, you know, it was a good, good chat, I suppose. I'm not sure if anything um, helpful came out of it, but um, oh, great certainly, point. certainly be- beneficial yeah. for me to get some of this stuff out. Um so yeah, this is just uh, a live therapy session. So it's it is if, absolutely, you know, that, it's like performance art. It really is, like, <laughs> yeah, no, it helps. Um, yeah, look, now I've really enjoyed my time. I'm really privileged to to be involved with EPW for as long as I have. I really, really love the place, rightly or wrongly. Grown up in the place, you know, I really have grown up um, in EPW. Yeah, um, you know, I've learned a lot of important life lessons, and and I've. You know, I've been a terrible person in EPW. I've been a good person in EPW. I've done some good things and some bad things, and you know, don't ever. But ultimately, you know, we're, we've sort of learned to be a little bit better today than we were yesterday. That's probably been the biggest thing that we've done over the years. And you know, I'm really proud of the company we are. I'm really proud of the people that we have involved. And although know, I, I have a lot of love for for everyone, everyone who 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 helps get us to where where we're getting where we are today, and where we were yesterday and where we're going to be tomorrow. You know, I really, yeah. I really love, love everyone involved in EPW. It's just a, yeah. just a really nice, beautiful place. No, I couldn't say it any better. I've been privileged enough to be involved, uh, you know, for quite some time uh, in official and unofficial capacities, starting with being a fan and now still very much a fan of, of what's being done in EPW Perth. So thank you so much for your time today, Bob. And uh, hopefully around this time next year, we can talk about the, uh, uh, we'll catch up again, talk about reawakening next year, maybe in yep. Wellington and also the um, 2024 Norm Smith medalist Marcus Bontempelli. Yeah. Yes. That would be lovely, lovely, lovely. Uh, thanks a lot. Good. Thanks a lot. Cool, for your time. Have a good one. I will take care. So great chat there with Bobby Marshall ahead of EPW's big show tomorrow, or you know if you're listening to this on the, in the future, December sixteenth, two thousand and twenty-three. Uh, can't recommend it enough. Head over to the at EPW Perth social media accounts. That'll have all the links to the tickets and whatnot. Um, Williton Stadium, great stadium, and you know you can't go wrong. It's going to be a good night out and with some really high quality action and. Uh, you heard at the end of that interview, we did record it a few days ago, um, where we were bullish about the Bulldogs and then the unfortunate news about Bailey Smith doing his ACL at Bulldog Training. So, um, you know, quick and, and speedy and safe recovery for him. Hope uh, all the well wishes go his way. Now, I, with this show itself, uh, I can guarantee you're going to have a good time. But one of the things that I just wanted to get off my chest before the end of this episode was... Uh, the trailer just dropped this morning. The big trailer, the one that everyone's been waiting for. And I'm not talking about GTA. I'm talking about Beverly Hills Cop, Axel Foley. Now, first and foremost, I'm not sure about, you know, 
having to remind people who Beverly Hills Cop is, as my friend um, Adam says from the Two Guys and a Girl podcast, a great movie podcast which you should be checking out. But I, it just made me start thinking. I, I love the Beverly Hills Cop movie and uh, movies, I should say, plural. Uh, turn into Pat Patterson there. But uh, we always quote it. My brothers, friends, things like that. Uh, Alistair Wald, Alistair Wald, even though not many people like the third as much as the first two. But I just wonder if we're getting to a point with with content creation where is it is it just too easy a crutch we're going on to these, these reboots, these remasters, whatever you, you, you could say. I mean... Don't get me wrong, I'm probably a big part of the problem. I'm going to be there first day lined up at the Imaginary Cinema because I think it's a Netflix release, and I'll be watching the hell out of Beverly Hills Cop Axel Foley because um, the Axel Foley character is just one of the greatest characters of all time in any form of media. But are we? what happens when that nostalgia well dries up? I mean, it's, it's relevant to the wrestling chat that, uh, that we've had today on this episode. I mean, one of the biggest uh, criticisms of the WWE in the last decade um, was that they would be overly reliant on nostalgia acts to come in, you know, come back to their big WrestleMania season. I mean, the likes of Bill Goldberg, um, who's out there spearing Tampa Bay fans, which, you know, not, not too bad, but the guy was wearing a Brady jersey, so I won't be having any of that. Um, so... Is it too easy a crutch? And what happens when that well dries up? What happens when these same characters, you know, aren't able to be on the screen? Do you just give it a fresh coat of paint and say, here's this actor, hey, there's Axel Foley now, or, you know, here's this guy, this is the new Bill Goldberg, this is Gilberg, uh, probably too soon for that. So that's that's a little bit of a concern because reboots and remasters or going back to something that was so successful, I mean, oh my goodness, Beverly Hills Cop 40 years ago, that's... That's absolutely insane to think about that that's, you know, near on 40 years ago that those originals came out. But it can be so hit and miss, and, and they can do damage to your your love and affinity of a, of a character. A good example um, is Jay and Silent Bob. Now, for such a high intellectual type like me, I know you're surprised that this guy loves himself some Jay and Silent Bob, but if you look at the uh, overabundance of the number 37 in anything I do... You'll probably probably put two and two together, or you know, three and seven together in that case. And people had mixed reactions about Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is legitimately my favourite movie of all time because it's so stupid. It's so stupid and smart in some ways, but mainly stupid. I like Jay and Silent Bob reboot because it was it was kind of like a nod to that stupidity, but. Update it to a modern context. Is it as good as the original? Goodness gracious, no. No, not even close. You know, it's a product of the times and, you know, you go back to, I guess, a, a mindset or, you know, how you felt at the time. And I was, you know, a, um, a young adolescent at the time who's probably going, yes, yeah, look at all these fart jokes. But um, Star Wars. Star Wars is another one. Um, how many people debate whether these new sequels uh, came out were any good or whether the best ones or, or whatnot? Uh, you know, as someone who didn't watch this, the original trilogy until what maybe four years ago because I'm a terrible human being. I don't know. I I didn't have that same nostalgia feel and, and about seeing those characters come back and then you know killing Harrison Ford off straight away. Not ideal. Spoilers. Sorry. Um, so Star Wars another one. Um, but going back to the Jay and Silent Bob universe, like Clerks 3, I get that Kevin Smith went through that, that near-death experience and that was a very personal story for him to tell. But 
my goodness, it it, it wasn't it wasn't the same vibe. And having said that, how much of Clerks holds up in in 2023? Who knows? But so it's just one thing that I, I guess I keep a casting eye on because. In, in one breath, I'm going to say, hey, let's be worried about all these reboots and going to these things that worked 10, 20, 30 years ago. And on the other breath, I'll be going, oh, my God, give me more of that David Tennant. Mm, yum, 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 yum. I'll wrap him up. He is the doctor for life. Even though Shooty Gatwa, it looks like he's going to be incredible. So, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, this has almost turned into a help me to help me, but I haven't gone back and put the sound effect in. So, just, you know, close your eyes, visualize, and pretend that it was there. So... Help me to help me. Um, what do you think? Are we too reliant on rebooting or going back to things that have worked in the past? Or, you know, should we be embracing that and going, look, these characters, these stories, these ideas, these concepts, these more words here, they they hold the test of time because they are so endearing. They're so good. And we should be using them and, and, and you know, going back to them as long as the stuff's entertaining. So I'm interested in your thoughts. But... As we get to the end of the show, we go into the the normal spiels at the end. Uh, Thank you, first and foremost. Well, can't be first and foremost if it's an hour and a half into the podcast, but one hour and 30 minutes and foremost. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you know, you're just plugging in and and putting this into your podcast rotation. Thank you so much for that. If you're digging what we're putting down, please like, subscribe, do all the stuff that makes all the boffins happy on your streaming service. Um, And if you really are digging what we're putting down, give us a share ski. Like, you know, we spoke about the water cooler last week. You know, how about the, the break room? Let's let's go because water coolers aren't a thing anymore. You know, if you you liked it, let your let your mates know, let your enemies know, let you know, anyone you like know that this show exists, you're digging it, there's some great content, there's some gold in these there hills, and we wanna build that listenership more and more and more so that the the side hustle can, you know, get to that more diagonal front hustle sort of stuff. So Thank you very much for listening. Uh, please reach out on all the socials, on the uh, Instagram. It's hey, hey pal, I'm blah, 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 blah. hey pal, I'm on inability to speak. Take two, ooh On Instagram, it's hey pal, I'm coachable. On X, X, it's hey pal pod. Of course, always reachable on the old email gimmick. Hey pal, I'm mailable at gmail.com. So that will do it. That's that. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thank you for joining us tomorrow. If you're going to the EPW reawakening show at Williton Stadium, of course, at EPW Perth for that. But thank you again. And until next time, we'll see you on Hey Pal, I'm Coachable. Hey,